And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names And he decides who to free and who to blame Everybody won't be treated all the same There'll be a golden ladder reaching down When the man comes around The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sin, in each Will you partake of the last of a began by asking the vice president about how, over two decades, our focus has had to shift from foreign terror to the threat from within. I think it is very dangerous and I think it is very harmful and it makes us weaker. Um, you know, I've, I have met with and I've had conversations with over 100 foreign heads of state, presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, kings. And, you know, when we as the United States walk into those rooms around the world, we have had the honor and privilege historically of holding our head up as a defender and an example of a great democracy. And that then gives us the legitimacy and the standing to talk about the importance of democratic principles, rule of law, human rights. And one of the things, though, that comes with that privilege is that we hold ourselves out to be a role model, which means the rest of the world, like any role model, watches what we do to see if it matches up with what we say. So you look at everything from the fact that there are 11 people right now running for secretary of state, the keepers of the integrity of the voting system of their state who are election deniers. You've got... And what's that sending? What message does that send to the world? Well, you couple that with people who hold some of the highest elected offices in our country who who refuse to condemn an insurrection on January 6th. And I think what it sends is a signal that is that causes people to question, hey, is America still valuing what they talk about, which is the integrity of democracies, which means protecting rule of law and the, and, and, and the sanctity of these systems and speaking up when they are attacked. I've also, I think, um, been reminded um, about how important it is uh, to try to deal with extremism of any kind, uh, especially when it uses violence to try to achieve political and ideological uh, goals. So I'm one who thinks that uh, there are lessons still to be learned from what happened to us on 9-11 that we should be very aware of uh, during this time in our country and the world's history.
and our country came together. And in many ways, um, we defeated the terrorists because of the resilience of the American public, because of our intelligence community. And we are safer, better prepared. Um, the stunning thing to me is here we are 20 years later, and the attack on the symbol of our democracy was not coming from terrorists, but it came from literally insurgents attacking the Capitol on January 6th. So I believe we are stronger. I believe our intelligence community has performed remarkably. I think the threat of terror has diminished. I think we still have new challenges in terms of nation state challenges, Russia and longer term, a technology competition with China. But I do worry about some of the activity in this country where the election deniers, the insurgency that took place on January 6th, that is something I hope we could see that same kind of unity of spirit. It's not enough to gather and remember each September 11th, those we lost more than two decades ago, because on this day, it is not about the past, it's about the future. We have an obligation, a duty, a responsibility to defend, preserve, and protect our democracy. The very democracy that guarantees the rights of freedom that those terrorists on 9-11 sought to bury in the burning fire and smoke and ash. So we are in a funny position, uh, Dana, because there's a small but very vocal, very powerful, very determined minority uh, who wants to impose their views on all the rest of us. And uh, it's time for everybody, regardless of party, to say, no, that's not who we are as America. Of Homeland Security was formed in the wake of the September 11th attacks. How has it evolved since then to safeguard the U.S. from foreign threats? The, um, Jonathan, the threat landscape has evolved considerably over the last 20 years. You know, back when 9-11 occurred in those in those years, we were very focused on the foreign terrorists, the individual who sought to do a severe harm to enter the United States and and do us harm. It then evolved. We began uh, to be more and more concerned about the individual already resident in the United States, radicalized by a foreign terrorist ideology. Now um, we are seeing an emerging threat, of course, over the last several years of the domestic violent extremist, the individual here in the United States radicalized to violence by a foreign terrorist ideology, but also an ideology of hate, anti-government sentiment, false narratives propagated on online platforms, even personal grievances. Okay, it is Monday, 12 September, in the year of our Lord, 2022. We're going to be going to Rome, to Stockholm, to Jerusalem, to Toronto, uh, all throughout the world. There are just massive news of a populist uprising throughout the world. And we're going to get to all of that and talk about these victories. But we've got to start. We're going to go to the moment. Real America's Voice owned David Zier, who's one of the guys that knows the lead up to 9-11, what happened on 9-11 with the terrorists better than Virtually anybody I've ever met. We're going to go to David in a moment outside of Engine Company 343 and Ladder Company 10. But i got to bring in Steve Cortez, my co-host, for the first hour. we got so much to get through. Economics, Mike Davis is going to join us on President Trump's beatdown of the Justice Department, all of it. But And I want to connect dots here back to the defilement of Independence Hall uh, with the demonic speech of Joe Biden, the satanic demonic speech of Joe Biden that desecrated uh, probably in civic, our civic religion or civic society, one of our, our greatest uh, monuments. 
the desecration and defilement of Mayorkas uh, at Ground Zero yesterday shows you, and with all their media messaging about it's all about domestic terrorists, show you, uh, Steve Cortez, there is no bottom to this crowd. There, there's, there's nothing they won't do. This is how dangerous they are, okay? This is right. why they must be removed. This is why they must be removed on November 8th. And Mayorkas' impeachment, this is a guy that is exacerbated, allowed, planned for the invasion of our border, right? And he sits there at ground zero outside of maybe Gettysburg and a handful of battlefields because so many civilians were killed. Uh, really sacred soil in this country. They went to Independence Hall and then Mayorkas to sit there and to talk about domestic terrorism is absolutely a defilement uh, and a desecration, Steve Cortez. It, it certainly is, Steve. And Myogris, you're exactly right. I hope he is first in line. He needs to be first in line for impeachment because of his complete dereliction and duty regarding his foremost duty, which is guarding the United States, guarding the front door of this country, which he has swung wide open and incentivized and invited in a mass human tsunami of trespassers. And regarding his uh, actions and his speech this weekend, along with a lot of other folks, Hillary Clinton, uh, Joe Biden, you're exactly correct to connect it to the red sermon from Philadelphia, where Joe Biden went and he did indeed desecrate a sacred site of our American Republic Independence Hall. Now desecrates the memory of 9-11, of those fallen that we mourn and those who we still honor who fought so valiantly for this country, both the first responders on the scene that day, as well as the military in the following months and years after 9-11. But what this points to, Steve, is that for these folks, for these globalists, uh, there is no shame. And you're exactly right. There is no bottom. There is no regard for the patriotic principles of the United States. And I think we in the patriotic populist movement need to realize we need to come to terms with the, with the fact that there is there is no political compromise with these leftists, with these woke communists. This is an unbridgeable gap. One side needs to win. Now, the left has been focused on winning for a very, very long time. The right has not been, but we are coming to that point, thankfully. We are rallying to that point. We're starting to get galvanized and realizing the stakes. And I would hope that those kind of despicable comments that we heard all over the airwaves over the weekend on what should be a solemn and patriotic day, that that kind of crass partisanship, that kind of twisting of 9-11 to try to pervert it into something to attack political opponents today. I hope that that further reinforces and encourages the deplorables out there that it steals our resolve to make sure that we continue to advance. And we are advancing. Our political movement is young. It is growing. It is vibrant and it is winning. But that we continue to advance, particularly in these coming weeks as we lead into November, because, again, one side has to win. This is an unbridgeable gap. We can't have compromise with people like Mayorkas who believe in open borders and who believe in perverting the sacred memory of 9-11 for leftist partisan objectives. That's what we wanted to play all four of those so you could see it. This is what their message was. It was all obviously coordinated. But in, in going from the declaration of war, for anybody in our audience or anybody out there, independents or moderate Democrats, working class Democrats, union Democrats, that don't think this is a declaration of war against working class, two thirds of the nation. Yesterday, they did not go right. after the terrorist. They went after you again on a, a, a and really a high holy day in American civic society, American civic society right. 9 11. 
I want to go to Steve, David you know, Zier. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Steve, I just wanted to say to that point, uh, there is there is a positive. There is a, a silver cloud to those dark that dark messaging that's coming from the left. And that is, I think they also realized the political threat that the right presents to them. And what I mean by that is they realize that the popular, the patriotic populist movement is now intent on fully wielding our political power, which is majority political power in the country, to implement our agenda. And our agenda, of course, is anything but extremist. It's actually a very rational and logical yeah. agenda. Things like border sovereignty, law and order in our streets, a, fi a fix to this inflationary mess which bedevils the American economy. Those are the agenda items that they want to label as extremists. But again, it's sort of like the Mar-a-Lago raid and the Red Sermon. Uh, their desperation speaks to our growing power. So, so let it reinforce you and encourage you, folks, uh, that we are winning, yes. that we're going to continue to win. No, no, no. This is a primal scream from a regime that's in complete freefall. They, they can't talk to you about any policies. They can't or their economy. Let's go to David Zier. David, I got a couple minutes on this side. I'm going to hold you through the break. We're going to then go to Toronto. We've got Stockholm, Sweden. There's victories all around. David Zier, you know what happened in the lead up to it probably better than anybody. Tell us where you are today and w w what's this shot we're looking at? Well, you have the Freedom Tower behind us, and we got the Memorial Park, you know, for the World Trade Center, where the building sat. We're in front of Ladder 10 here. People are gathering. My friend Peter Brennan's on the wall who died from Rescue 288 uh, and uh, Rescue 4. You know, he wasn't supposed to work that day, but, uh, you know, these FDM were guys are awesome. So we took his friend's spot and he perished on that day. And I had this girl, Christina, out of the shot here that I just interviewed. She wore a 9-11 hat to soccer practice yesterday and they made her take her hat off. That's the disgusting state of affairs that our country is in here. And these guys, Ramsey bin al-Sheib and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the day of 9-11, it's announced that they're going to cut a plea deal and avoid the death penalty. Ramsey bin al-Sheib from the Hamburg who housed Mohammed Atta. They planned these attacks from cafes in Amsterdam in the middle of the day with tactical pilotage charts. And, uh, you know, they came here and took the flight training. It's really disgusting what's going on. And Mark Warner's comments that, you know, that we're the domestic terrorists. We're a bigger threat than uh, Al-Qaeda and, you know, the International Brotherhood of Muslims. These people are out of their mind and they are declaring war on people in the United States. I just want to let you know that over 4,000 people have died since 9-11 that were first responders so far, 15, 1,600 of them from respiratory diseases, another 1,400 from cancer, 410,000 people were down here cleaning up 400 tons of concrete, glass, and steel, and asbestos out yeah. of the, you know, out of the 16-acre uh, debris field. So, you know, uh, 65,000 of them David, have been diagnosed with medical. David, just, David, just hang on for one second. We're take a short commercial break. We're going to get to all of it. We're going to come back. We're going to go down to ground zero. David Zero, Real America's Voice. Steve Cortez is my wingman for the first hour or so. We're going to Stockholm, to Jerusalem, to Toronto, all of it, and capital markets, economics, all of it in the war room. You know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, there's been an unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand, end quote. You know who understands the real threat of inflation? People who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting their savings from a highly turbulent economy 
by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action now. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and get the real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on protecting your savings with gold. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Sleep the sleep of the just on a percale sheet from MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code War Room. Look, in the War Room, as Cortez can can, um, back up, we don't get a lot of sleep, but the sleep we get is great because you're going to be on the ramparts the other 20 hours of the day the day per cal sheets from mypillow.com i think they start at 29.98 you can get the, i think the queens for the kings for 39 go check it out but you got to go to mypillow.com promo code worm got all the other sales on there too all the buy one get one freeze all the other sales absolutely amazing these sheets are not going to last forever and last week obviously we we're on fire with them jump in there today mypillow.com promo code worm by the way washington post reporting total meltdown i've got it up on my getter Total meltdown on the posse, the war room posse, calling registrars and saying, hey, can we have the cast vote records? And they're saying it's like this a conspiracy theory and we're trying to chop block the 2022 midterms. You got to read the article, Washington Post, in full and complete meltdown because of this audience responding to Mike uh, Lindell's request to get the cast vote records before they were dumped uh, after 22 months. So we'll talk more about that later. I uh, want to go back to so, – so, David, you're telling me that a young woman – wore a 9-11 commemorative ball cap and they made her take it off. Could you, could you, could, could we get her on and, and ask her, I want to ask her so the whole audience hears this. Yeah, it's truly incredible. We have Christina here from Staten Island and uh, tell us uh, what you had family members in the building on the 36th floor on 9-11, right? I did my aunt. She thankfully, um, she's a survivor, but she just tells me the stories and she has like tears in her eyes, but she said her elevator was the last to go down before collapse and she actually said it was her elevator got stuck and she said it yeah. was the most terrifying thing ever and you have family that's nypd so tell us what happened yesterday you're wearing a 9-11 hat at soccer right you're a coach yeah so i'm a coach for little kids and i had you know i i take pride in 9-11 just because it's history and you know our heroes thank you to all the heroes out there but i had my hat on you know just to remember the day and I actually got told to take it off. And I was so offended because I'm like, this is a day that it should be a national holiday. And it, we should remember. What a disgrace. What was their reason? Disgrace. No reason at all. Just said, you know, hat off. And I was just so offended. But I held it on top of my back so everybody could see because it should be remembered. And Staten Island of all, you know, conservative places in New York, right? Yeah, yeah it's true. Right. Well, Danielle, thank you for sharing the story. And we'll get back to you, Steve. And, uh, yeah, here's the thing. This is speaks to a bigger issue. They got through the 20th anniversary. Now they're trying to memory hold this. They're pivoting and trying to, you know, call all the MAGA and all the deplorables domestic terrorists. Yesterday, Biden didn't even go up. He wandered over to the Pentagon. They sent Mayorkas, who's offensive to the American people. He's going to get impeached. Tell me, put it in perspective, Zir. You know it better than anybody. You you know, I, I, I've got 
uh, a pretty good understanding of what happened. Uh, and I keep telling him, David Zier is like the best. You know the details of the lead up to it and what <laughs> happened and everything that went on that day. But from your perspective, what's going on here? Have they tried to memory hole 9-11? I think they're declaring war on the good people of the United States. I think there's a leftist, progressive Marxist takeover and the institution of bureaucracy and a technocracy and a paramilitary state. This is crazy. They're making the good people the enemies here. And we're the good people who wake up every morning and open the crews for our gates. And all the people, the 410,000 first responders that were down here, 64,000 of them have been diagnosed with medical conditions. 4,000 of them have died since 9-11, surpassing the deaths on that day. This is insanity. And then to have Ramzi bin al-Sheib and, and, and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed to be able to get away with this. And we know the events that took place for all you 9-11 truthers out there. We know that in 1987, the Al-Farouk mask, you know, started collecting weapons for the Mujahideen in 84 and 87. They were training in my neighborhood on Long Island at the Calvinton gun range. And they were planning these attacks. And they, you know, were planning these attacks. And they wanted to kidnap Al D'Amato's daughter and blow up 13 synagogues and break El Sayyid Nasser out of prison who murdered Maya Kahana and El Sayyid Nasser, you know, planned the nine, the February 26th attacks from jail in Attica. And they started out, you know, they wanted to do these attacks on these synagogues and kidnap Al D'Amato's daughter. And KSM stepped in and his nephew, Ramsey Youssef. They demanded he come to the United States, teach these terrorists how to make an ammonium nitrate diesel fertilizer bomb. And they blew up the World Trade Center. Clinton never even visited the site. The FBI couldn't solve it because they got the VIN number from the axle of the rental truck, but didn't know it was masked. And a New York City NYPD motor pool employee solved it by referring to a secondary book. The VIN number was masked. They tracked it back down to the Hertz rental in Jersey City. They called, you know, Mohammed Salome up for his $400 deposit. And that's how they did this. But these attacks were planned, uh, including the Day of Terror. Three months after February 26, 93, they got the keys from the Sudanese embassy to the UN. They were going to blow up the FBI headquarters, the George Washington Bridge, the Lincoln Tunnel, the Holland Tunnel, and they were caught red-handed. Siddiq Siddiq Ali, along with the Blind Sheikh, were caught mixing the uraic acid and the ammonium nitrate fertilizer and the 10,000 gallons of diesel fuel they bought from a Muslim Turkish gas station owner in Yonkers, and they were caught mixing this for the Day of Terror. And all the other attacks and the Brooklyn Bridge plot that was broken up after 9-11, and all the attacks, you know, the, the pressure cooker bomb in Chelsea, and the guy on the West Side Highway with the Home Depot truck, and the 23rd Street Station guy who wanted to blow himself up, and the Times Square bomber where Wayne Radigan, a mounted police officer who I interviewed, you know, the guy put the fuse in the wrong way in the propane tank. That's why the Pathfinder didn't blow up and kill 500 people. You know, so, you know, these are real attacks. These are real threats on the United States. It's not gone. They're trying to whitewash history. They want to build a giant mosque here right at ground zero just to stick it in the eye of Americans. And I got no problem if you're Muslim, but they're insensitive. They're doing it on purpose and they're making us the enemy. Uh, as you said, there were 14 attacks thwarted by nypd intelligence not the fbi this was the nypd had that great run afterwards and, and of course the associated press uh, came out and the leftist media came out and they actually had to take that unit uh, apart from all the great work they're doing Here, here's the last thing what what are the the hard-working folks in the first responders the police and the fire department 
that survived. What do they think about this memory holding? Because yesterday was not really the commemoration that that we're used to. And I might also add that Rudy Giuliani was not allowed on Fox yesterday, which is an absolute disgrace. The the, the mayor, he and Bernie, a character did so much. What 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 are what are the first responders? What are the cops and the firemen think about how this has been uh, how this is being portrayed now, sir? Well, you know, there's already an enthusiasm gap here. Mayor, Mayor Adams does not represent the police in New York. There's this uh, settlement fund, a defense fund that went to New York City, a billion dollars. They paid 700 million of it out in 2010 in a lawsuit from the victims. There's 300 million left. Adams wants to keep the money. It's like so outrageous. And there's also air quality problems after 2001. He doesn't want to release the data and get the true toll on what, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of millions of people that could be affected unless they get indemnity or immunity from prosecution in civil suits. Now, $10 billion has been paid out already to the Victims' Compensation Fund here in New York. Um, but, you know, the police, the police department, the Port Authority, the firemen, you know, I think they get treated like second-class citizens between the vaccinations and the firings, which we know is all BS yeah. now. You know, you're dying if you have the shot or not. So there's a lot of it, issues. I think, um, yeah. you know, there's problems. Let me ask you, last thing is that... Um, uh, about the five terrorists, the day they leaked that they're in negotiations to let these guys go, right? To negotiate non-death penalty sentences. Walk us through how outrageous is that in your perspective? How outrageous is that that these uh, not bring up on capital charges and executed? I just can't explain it. You know, they they brought they killed Timothy McVeigh who blew up Oklahoma City, supposedly. And why wasn't Terry Nichols executed? You know, there's links between him and Abu Sayyaf in the Philippines through the guise of a mail-order wife. Why aren't they going for the death penalty from the people? This is the state of the U.S. and the administration right now. Uh, all the... 4,000 plus that died in Afghanistan and the 500 attacks that were prevented by the JTTF and other agencies around the world since 9-11. These guys are mass murderers. It was the single biggest attack yeah. in world history as a terrorist attack. Uh, I think it's a disgrace. Um, and they're not honoring the memory of all the people who gave their lives that day and all the people that are continue to give their lives into the future. You know, it takes 20 years for mesothelioma sometimes to appear and it's happening now. And these people need to be told that, you know, there's retribution for what happened. Zira, uh, how do people get you on social media, Real America's Voice, all of it? Because you do the best coverage of this always. Oh, man. So, you know, every day 9-11 appears on my digital clock in my truck twice a day. You know, we all lost family and friends and everyone in my life lost somebody, a friend, an uncle, a fiance, and it affected us dearly here. So you can follow me at David Zier on Getter, on Truth Social, at Dave Zier on Twitter. But it's at David Zier, most of the platforms and watch Breaking Point 8 a.m. Saturday mornings, Eastern Time on Real America's Voice News. David Zier, thank you very much for joining us. Great coverage. Cortez, I want to go to you. We're going to, come, we're going to take a short break and come back. We're going to go to Canada for this massive uh, development last night. The populist taking over or on Saturday, populist taking over the Conservative Party. Uh, but Cortez, you were mocked and ridiculed, I think, but but your whole questions about the Afghanistan situation, letting unvetted people into the country. Give us your assessment of that. Give me a minute on that. Correct. Well, and CBS News now has come around and admitted that the internal report, the internal watchdog, the inspector general of the Department of Homeland Security now admits 
that of course they lacked any of the data they needed to do real vetting of the 100,000 plus Afghans who were airlifted into this country. And I warned at the time that it was happening that this was a terrible idea, that inviting into the United States from the other side of the world totally unvetted Afghans, the very same country whose migrants caused enormous problems for, for years in Europe after a massive migration there in 2014, that that was a very dangerous idea for the United States. I have proven to be very correct and I think to some extent exonerated, but I take no pleasure in that, of course, because the reality is that they are here. And by the way, you know, David's exactly right when he speaks to this whitewashing of history. And uh, to put a data point on this, Steve, this desecration of 9-11, you know, and the, and the Red Sermon in Philadelphia, the desecration of Independence Hall, to put a data point on that, you know, to your point that uh, these are the, this is the desperation. These are the last gasp of a, of a dying regime. According to the latest poll from YouGov, among independents, 26% approval for Joe Biden. That's it. 26% approval. <clears throat> Hang on. We're going to get to all that data. We're going to Toronto next. Tectonic plate shift from Stockholm to Toronto next in the war room. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CC. Americans are discovering that if we want to change this nation, we have to change the way the marketplace works. Look, woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freeing the, freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent upon countries that actively work against our values, like the Chinese Communist Party. It's time for a change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public SQ, the largest network of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses and consumers our nation has ever seen. Public SQ is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that can never cancel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. And here's the best part of it. It's absolutely free to join. Just download the Public SQ app from the Apple Store or Google Play. Create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. Download the app today. Public SQ. That's Public SQ. Public SQ. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play. Take action. Do this today. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Yeah, I just want the audience to know, we're going to work with Rob Sagan, the guys over at Real America's Voice with Zier. we got to do a special. Zier is a font of information you just see. That was a, um, that's not a stream of consciousness. That he knows is better than anybody. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, Steve Cortez, before I go to Toronto, Cortez, you put up a tweet yesterday on Harold Clinton. I just want to make sure the reason, one of the reasons they want to whitewash this, right, and, and start pointing the finger back, oh, it's, it's the deplorables, it's MAGA, the domestic terrorists, is their culpability and guilt about what happened. Steve Cortez, you had some interesting tweets yesterday. What are they about? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was fascinating and despicable that Hillary Clinton dared to criticize the right in the United States. And again, try to pervert and desecrate the memory of 9-11 for some partisan point scoring when the reality is her husband's failures led directly to the tragedy of 9-11. And it's beyond just Bill Clinton, although he gets, I think, most of the blame. Permanent Washington, 
failed the United States. It failed to prevent, it failed to foresee what was going to happen in 9-11. I want to be specific here with Bill Clinton. There were three instances, three significant attacks upon the United States, which just went disregarded by Bill Clinton. There was no significant response and the terrorists became ever more emboldened leading to 9-11. Those were the first World Trade Center bombing, then the bombings of Kobar Towers in Saudi Arabia, and then the USS Cole all on the watch of the Clintons. And again, there was no significant material U.S. response. And yet, permanent Washington, despite those three attacks, despite a decade of escalation of the jihadis against the United States, did not adequately prepare this country, did not prevent 9-11, did not even foresee 9-11. And yet, those same national security apparatuses now want us to believe that the real threat to the United States comes from the political right, comes from domestic people who are unhappy with the current state of our country, with open borders, with runaway inflation, with children being indoctrinated with sexualized nonsense, toxic nonsense in school, having their bodies mutilated by doctors. Okay, they want they want us to believe that those people who object to those kinds of crises are the threat to the United States. Please, they have no leg to stand on here when we look at the actual history of the failures of permanent Washington. And again, these are the desperate tactics of a dying regime. You know, Steve, often uh, when a star dies, it has a phenomenon known as a supernova, where there's a tremendous amount of energy right before it dies. We are seeing a political supernova right now from the radical left, from the globalists in this country. So, again, we need to be in a pervert in a in a bit of a paradox. We need to be encouraged. Uh, that there is that there is incredible momentum for our movement. They see it on the political left. They fear it, and they should. And we're going to win in November. Now, you, you know the uh, Party of Davos, the World Economic Forum, Brussels, all of it. You can see it from from Italy to Sweden, uh, throughout the world. You're seeing just like in '16, where we had Brexit in June and then Trump's victory in uh, in November. And I can tell you, having been there for both, these are inextricably linked. Let's go to Canada now to the great uh, post-millennial, which is working with uh, Human Events and Charlie Kirk and their team over there, Libby Evans. Uh, Libby, tell us, what, tell us what went on over the weekend, this populist takeover of the Conservative Party in Canada, ma'am. Yeah, so this was actually pretty fascinating. Pierre Polyev won the Conservative leadership race and will now be facing Justin Trudeau when they have another election. Uh, that election won't be until 2025, likely, because Trudeau and the NDP have a coalition, um, so they won't have to call an election for a while. But Pierre, well, that co- but, 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 but hang on, that, co- that coalition, that coalition could fall apart at any time, correct? I mean, it's a parliamentary system. Yes. They're, they're yes, one big move. It, it, let me just ask you, the populace, the reason they won is that these people, and a little bit came off the truckers, th- this is a kind of a refreshingly aggressive uh, a movement. It's not, you know, we know Canadians as the nicest folks in the world. This is These guys are kind of brawlers, are they not? They sure are, and they have a lot of really fascinating ideas. Uh, Polyev wants Canada to be energy independent. He wants to get rid of any oil imports, um, rather Canada be an exporter. He backs Canadian families. He backs uh, the dream of buying homes. Housing housing prices in Canada are ridiculously high. Uh, they keep getting higher. Polyev blames Trudeau's liberal pol- policies for those housing problems. Um, yeah, Polyev backed truckers. Trudeau didn't. Polyev uh, slammed Trudeau for the Emergencies Act that he employed 
basically to go after the truckers, to go after their allies, to go after even just contributors who had uh, given money to causes to stop the vaccine mandate. Trudeau is still pushing these mandates. Um, yeah, and Polyev actually has the backs of regular Canadians and is pulling support from a pretty broad spectrum. He increased uh, the conservative numbers by, I think, 300,000, a little more than that. Um, that was pretty unprecedented as well. And he's really captured the hearts and imaginations of Canadians who are tired of living under this top-down approach from uh, Trudeau and his uh, sort of egomaniacal policies. Uh, Poliev also wants to defund the CBC, which is the state-funded broadcaster. And um, he also has promised that none of his cabinet ministers would be attending any World Economic Forum events. Let me just ask you, it seems like the conservative party up there had kind of fallen into what we call controlled opposition. Was that mm -hmm. the revolt that we saw on Saturday that people said, hey, we need to stand something that is refreshingly different? We have to we have to offer Canadians an alternative. Is that is that the driving force in back of this? Yeah, I think that that's true. O'Toole was pretty weak. He backed a lot of things that uh, were pretty middle of the road and actually just middling. Uh, Poliev is also opposed to some of the plans for the uh, medical assistance in dying. He has said that the mentally ill should not have access to this program uh, to have euthanasia because they're, you know, mentally ill. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that that's exactly right. People are tired of Trudeau. People are tired of being pushed around and told what to do. And Poliev goes out there and says that he wants Canada to be the freest country in the nation. People can really get behind that. They saw their civil liberties squashed, everything closed, churches closed, pastors arrested, um, you know, people arrested in their homes just for trying to leave them or trying to gather with family members. The restrictions during the pandemic were far greater even um, than we saw here. And we saw the truckers revolting against that peacefully, very peacefully despite what the liberals claimed, saying that they were dangerous and all of this. It was such obvious nonsense. And Polyev goes out there, he tells Canadians that he uh, wants Canada to be a free and open place where they can express themselves. He backs freedom of speech on campuses. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the people are just uh, fed up with what Trudeau is offering. Let me hang on for one second. By the way, we're going to bring in Mark Jeffig in a second, but we've got a very special guest who's on the campaign trail. We'll talk about a populist revolt in the Grand Estate, General Don Bolduc. By the way, we have a new spot on General Bolduc we're going to play later in the show, uh, probably 11 o'clock. But General Bolduc joins us now. General Bolduc, everybody wants to know, they're dropping 4 and $5 million of negative ads on your head. Is it having any impact? Is that countering your focus on going around and shaking every hand and looking Grand Staters in the eye? and tell them that not only would beat Maggie Hassan, but that you will represent them down in Washington, D.C., like they expect people to represent them, sir? Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, and best to you and everybody. Um, yeah, you know, it's having absolutely uh, no effect. People are just not paying any attention to it, uh, and it's unfortunate that they choose to spend $4 million on a strategy to attack another Republican, but up here... We have such a solid uh, base of Granite Staters because we've done the hard work over two years in every town and city. So, you know, we have proven ourselves to be transparent, truthful, accountable, responsible. 
Granite Staters know that. They're looking for the change. And what they've done is they've reinforced the message that outsiders, political elite, special interests, lobbyists are all trying to control our lives. And we've seen where that's gotten us. Uh, it's gotten us in a very bad way, uh, you know, economically, fiscally, and safety and security-wise. And it's really, really, uh, you know, done really bad things to the current livelihood of people and the future of our children and grandchildren. General Bolick, uh, we're going to have you back on later or tomorrow to talk about the day after about 9-11 and what happened yesterday by calling uh, the deplorables and calling MAGA domestic terrorists. I know you don't have time for today, but how can people, wh where are you going to be today? Is there a rally? Where should people go on your website to find out about it? And how can people get a last minute uh, chance to actually meet you in person? Well, you know, we've uh, we've just left KB's Bagels in Hampton. Uh, we'll be at, you know, uh, uh, a uh, small business, uh, Estes Lumber, uh, out in uh, Londonderry. We're going to be walking the streets of Derry, talking to small businesses today. Um, <clears throat> you can go to my website. You can see, uh, you know, where we're going to be. Tomorrow, um, we're going to be... Um, at starting at 7 p.m., uh, we're going to be uh, at the Old Salt Tavern and Inn in Hampton Beach uh, for a, our election watch party. Uh, please come there uh, and, uh, and and join us uh, and watch us uh, bring this campaign to victory uh, and you know uh, really show the establishment that Granite Staters are fed up with their way of doing business and they want change. General Bolick, one more time, what website do people go to to get all the details on this and to find out how they support you? DonBaldick.com, www.DonBaldick.com. Go to supporters of General Baldick on Facebook and at General Baldick uh, on Twitter. General Bolick, uh, fight on. There's no substitute for victory, sir. Honored to have you on here today. My honor, too. Thank you so much. God bless you and all your listeners. And we're going to put uh, victory tomorrow, uh, you know, as we move through the day. God bless and thank you. General Bolick, thank you. Okay, I want everybody to go to that website, particularly all people in New Hampshire. you got to vote tomorrow. You got uh, you got some outsiders running. They're having millions of dollars dumped on them. Let me go to Mark Jeftovic real quickly. Mark, I'm gonna hold you and uh, Libby through the break. We're also going to Stockholm with what happened to the Swedish Democrats. You see the connection there with the populace like Don Bolick in New Hampshire and what happened in Canada. You had a great article up on uh, Zero Hedge. Put it in perspective. What happened on Saturday in Canada and how big a tectonic plate shift is this, sir? Hi, Steve. Well, it's a pretty big one. So on Saturday, as Libby was telling you, Pierre Polyev won the Conservative Party ballot on the first ballot, which hasn't happened since 2004 with Stephen Harper. And um, up here in Canada, you have something called the Laurentian elite. They're these uh, political aristocracy that spans all parties. And they're basically the self-appointed, you know, royalty of politics and their candidate which was john charest was supposed to be the anointed one it was a shoe in um you know the media had had clearly blessed him and vilified polyev 
And that's not what happened. So he was crushed. Uh, Polyev got um, 68% of the vote on the first ballot. No need for second, third ballots. Uh, Sheree got 16% and announced his departure from politics the next morning. And really, um, yeah. So I, I tell you, was, hold, hold it, Jeff Devick, Jeff Devick, hold it, hold it. This is so good, we got to savor it. We're going to take okay. a short break. Libby Evans from uh, the Post Millennial. We got Mark Jeftovic, crypto in politics up in Toronto. I got Steve Cortez. Matthew Turman's going to join us. Jack Posobiec, Mike Davis. It's packed. Strap in. You're in the war room. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, there is no substitute for victory. Let me repeat that. There is no substitute for victory. That's all you have to be focused on about 8 November. Let me repeat the mantra. There is no substitute for victory. All of our squabbling, all of our disagreements, put it to the side. We can start that again on the evening of November 8th, when after we have a massive victory. And who do I point to to show this? I point to the folks in Canada, and I point to the folks in Sweden, and we point to the folks in Italy. Today we're launching, later we'll announce it, uh, Bannon's War Room Rome is going to launch in Italian with Ben Harnwell to provide a platform to get the real world, uh, the real word out on what's really happening with the brothers of Italy and the and the uh, Northern Alliance, all of it as they sweep to a massive win in Italy. This is all inextricably linked. It's just like Brexit in 2016. Matthew Tierman joins us from Sweden. Where do we stand? Are, are, is the Swedish Democrats, this quote unquote fringe marginal party, are they now going to be able to form a government, sir? Well, uh, that will we will know for certain, uh, we think, this week. Right now, they are, with the right, ahead. There are four leftist parties, there's four rightist parties. And if the tabulation closed right now, the parliament would be 176 on the right and 173 on the left, and they would be part of the government. Uh, there's 50,000 ballot margin. They've got the expat ballots to still tabulate. The expats have historically been conservative and been on the right. If that holds, this is a the cataclysmic victory that you and I have been talking about on the show for now weeks. We're the only ones in the entire Western world, English language press, anywhere in Europe, in the U.S., saying that this is not just the incumbents are going to sail to victory and continue what they've been doing. No, the Swedes came out and they have mainstreamed the nationalist, conservative, sovereignist, populist right. We just talked the other day. The signs in Stockholm, the posters, they're not graffitied and torn down anymore. It's not an embarrassment for people to you know, share with their neighbors. They voted for the Swedish Dems. They have now been mainstreamed. This is tantamount to MAGA beating the hell out of the Republican establishment, the GOPE, the Romney, the Cheney, the Mitch McConnells. This is a cataclysmic event in European politics. This affects Sweden. This affects greater Scandinavia. This affects Northern Europe, the entire continent of Europe, the entire West, the entire globe. This is a domino falling our way that I cannot overstate this enough. This is such a big deal. Even two years ago, this was inconceivable. 
In 2018, they did about 17, 17 and a half percent. And people were scared. Democracy will be under attack. Well, now they just knocked out Carl Bildt's party, the moderate, that's the GOP, the rhino squishes, uh, you know, sayonara Carl Bildt. That's what I told Jimmy Ackerson at the uh, Swedish Democrat headquarter party last night. And they're riding high because this is a sea change in Swedish and Scandinavian politics. And in two weeks, we have Italy. So now we're going to be squeezing Brussels and Strasbourg from the north, the farthest reaches of European politics, Sweden on the north, and then the farthest reaches on the south in Italy. This is the wave cycle. 2016, ebbs and flows. We made gains. Brexit, Trump. There was some, some back and forth. Some you, retrenching. You, 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 heard, you, heard, you heard the pop, the populist leader of the Canadian Conservative Party said, hey, nobody, nobody that works for us can be part of the World Economic Forum. Not going to happen. This is, real quickly, put forward, what were the issues? These guys are based. They, they did not back off. And Greta Thunberg, they rolled her out, not about climate change the other day. She said, no racist... Uh, what what no, no racist and no fascist in my neighborhoods. They're trying to demean people and scare people at the last second. Matthew Tierman. It didn't work. I just had lunch with a uh, a business guy who's been voting SD, but he wouldn't uh, you know he wouldn't admit it to his neighbors because he'd be scared that his kids would get docked at school. Uh, you know, I spoke to uh, at five a.m. I rolled into my hotel and I saw that the uh, the the night desk guy was uh, in a good mood. And we talked for half an hour and he told me about how growing up in a working middle-class suburb of Stockholm, that he would argue with the teachers and they would give him detention, they would dock his grades. The indoctrination was so ripe in the media, in the academy, in the public schools, in the public services, in Swedish television, in Swedish radio, in the private newspapers, Aftan Dagenblad, the New York Times of Sweden. They were marginalizing the Swedish Dems every which way, saying historically they have neo-Nazi roots. Well, this is a young party. Go, go to my Getter, go to my Twitter, go to my Instagram. See the pictures of people who are there, who are leading this party. Charlie Weimers, the MEP. Tobias Anderson, the uh, the young parliamentarian in the Reichstag, who I've been traveling with all this week. These are young people. That What happened 35 years ago with the party that would never get into government? They were 1.1%, 0.4%. Every cycle since 19, mid-1980s, they have gained. And now they are the leading party of the Swedish right. And the Sweden is now a coin flip right left society. The anchor of Scandinavian historically leftist politics is now a coin flip. And they, I think this is going to hold. And I think that the Swedish Dems will be part of the government. But, but, the but, but, but uh, hold on. But hang, hang on to your mind. We got two minutes here. I want to hold you quickly to the break. I know you got to leave. But Sweden punches way above their weight on the international stage. Greta Thunberg is a is a creation of that Swedish elite. She changed the the reason you have an energy crisis in Germany right now. The reason you have an energy crisis in Italy and in France, the United Kingdom. Greta Thunberg's a big part of that. Sweden punches way above their weight. That's one of the things that got shattered last night, Matthew Tierman. Exactly. Uh, the Nobel Prize Committee, it's here. This is, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Nobel Prize is awarded in the, uh, the city hall every year. Beautiful building in the center of Sweden on the water. Uh, supranational governance institutions. And this is what Carl Bildt was running with his pseudo-conservative uh, rhino squish party, the moderates. Uh, and they just got rejected. You see Carl Bildt on TV last night on Swedish press, and he is uh, looking like he's about to cry. Sayonara, Carl Bildt. Sayonara globalists, the nationalists have taken over the right, and they're splitting the society up the middle. This was fringe even two, three years ago, four years ago. Uh, one interesting fact, which uh, which is kind of telling still about the, the voting patterns, the Green Party did do better amidst a global energy crisis. Still de minimis, they're in Parliament, 
about 6%, give or take. We'll see where it shakes out. But the fact that people voted in this global energy crisis for the Greens, well, Greta Thunberg wasn't constructed yet in 2018, last election cycle. She's been around now the last two, three years. And so still the students are being indoctrinated. But the veil is being removed. Like Trump in 16, the curtain's being pulled yeah. back. It's not a shame to vote T- the Swedish Dems anymore. T- okay. Tiermann, hang on, hang on. We got Matthew Tiermann. We're going to game quickly on the other side. Break 90 seconds. Back to Toronto. We got Jerusalem. And how it all connects to November 8th. Let me repeat this. There is no substitute for victory. Next in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 